life through the, through the rest of the week ahead of that. And that when you come into the house of the Lord, you ought to be already prepared to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. You ought to be ready to, to, to enter into his presence with praise. Oh, nobody have to usher us in. We ought to come in on our own. And then I think we join them. Now, yesterday, opening day of football season, and I'm not here to knock football. I, I ain't a big football fan. Uh, my wife is, so if I knock it too much, I get in trouble with her. But I promise you, ain't nobody have cheered the Bulldog fans on yesterday. Now, they might have been a team full of cheerleaders down there, but they want nobody in them stands depending on those cheerleaders um, to cheer their team on to victory. They didn't have to do that. They was, a, they was a stand full of exuberant fans before that game ever started. And what they're looking back on, we national, we national champions. Can I tell you all, the church is national champions every year. <laughs> we may lose a few games, but the war is already won. And there's a reason for us coming here every Sunday morning and celebrate a resurrected, risen Lord and Savior who is our King. And so I want to tell the praise team this morning, I appreciate you. I had a fellow call me a few years ago, and, and we, we reflected a little bit, Christy and I especially. She's been with me. She's been playing that piano from the very beginning, and we've had some seasons where we had a lot of musicians that were here that were, made it easy for us. And we've had some seasons, and some of y'all remember this, where we didn't sing nothing. We, Christy would play a couple of hymns, and we tried to fit in with what everybody else was doing, and we played a lot of canned music, and some of it was awful. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I've tried a few songs, and I'm like, mm, I won't ever try that again. Not at Zion Hill. That didn't fit for us, and they couldn't nobody sing it if it did. But um, I appreciate this team of people. And we, we talked about some things the other night that we're going to start, that we're going to work on. Um, they're constantly trying to improve themselves, and, um, and I'm grateful for that. But the fact that they get up here with a heart of worship means more to me than anything in the world. Um, sound system don't always cooperate with us. We're, going, we've, we're doing some tweaking on that right now, trying to figure out some things. Live stream sounds horrible with the song service. Um, we're trying to figure some of that stuff out. It's all a work in progress. But we can still get up here every Sunday and join them and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Invite His presence to just invade this place and do a work in our hearts and lives. We need to do that. I'm going to challenge you next Sunday morning. I, and I know you're busy on Sunday mornings, and I know the devil works overtime on Sunday mornings everywhere to discourage and, dis, and, and just defeat God's people. But next Sunday morning when you get up, would you just spend a few minutes and pray and say, Lord, I need you to meet with us today at church in a very tangible way. Anoint the musicians, anoint Brother Keith, anoint the Sunday school teachers, anoint everybody that has a part in ministry today. Um, but you spend some time in personal worship before you ever enter this building and won't nobody have to cheerlead you on. You'll come in here with that attitude of worship. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You know you can say amen without me begging for it, don't you? Right. Um, anything the Spirit of God leads you to do in this service is appropriate. And, um, and you, won't, you, won't, you won't embarrass me, you won't shame me um, if you do whatever the Lord's laid on your heart. Stand and share a testimony if you need to. Shout hallelujah if you want to. You do whatever the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do, and, um, and, and I will uh, join him in approving of it, all right? If anybody is hindering you from worship, you know who's doing that? You are.
You, listen, you can't even blame that on the devil because you got power over him in Jesus' name. <laughs> if anybody's hindering your worship, that belongs to you. And you do something with that. Um, don't nobody stand in your way. Um, and if anybody's standing between you and Jesus, guess who's closer? Mm. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, let me just make a full disclosure, all right? If you are one that writes dates in your Bible, <laughs> my mama's done this ever since I was a kid. You, you can uh, follow preachers. She writes names and dates, who preached it and when they preached it. And she'll put some notes out in the margin about some things that stood out to her. And I, if you a Bible marker or note taker, and you write dates in your Bible, I'm make a full disclosure. <laughs> I prepared for this message. I did, and, uh, and had good liberty. I felt like the Lord had put verse 11 on my heart a couple weeks ago, and I'd just kind of been chewing on it, meditating on it, and I thought, Labor Day is a good day for me to study this out and preach it. Well, I have this routine. I, when I study on Fridays, I, I, do, I, I get my message, what God's laid on my heart. I put it in more kind of an outline form, something I can follow, and I feel like you can follow and um, and then I do a sermon outline, and then I do a um, I do the bulletin, and then I do the announcements, and I send all of them together to Zena and to Brother Carl for them to do what they need to do online and to prepare the screens for Sunday. And so when I when I went to attach those things to my email, um, I don't save the outlines usually, but I noticed in my in my um, documents I had one dated nine six twenty at sermon outline. And so I clicked on it and said, I wonder what that was about. Because I don't save them. 9, 6, 20. Two years ago, I preached from the same text. <laughs> and I thought, now, I just need to scrap this thing and start over. I just preached this sermon two years ago. <laughs> and, um, and, and the reason I didn't is because I said, you know what? The verse has been on my heart for two weeks. And God gave me peace as I studied it. I was encouraged as I studied it. And I feel like it'll be a help to those who hear it. That's reason number one. <laughs> reason number two is 2020 is a year a lot of us would just like to forget. And I ain't even sure what was happening in September on Labor Day of September 2020. I, but I know we had some cycles through there. Um, that we either had, did not have in-person meetings. Um, we went to two services at times and scattered people out. And I, there were a few Sundays through there after school started back that we had probably 10 or 15 folks here. And the rest of them were trying to watch online. And we've always had live stream issues. And so I thought, you know what? There's a lot of folks that may have not been, that may have not have heard the message in 2020 to begin with. The third reason I chose not to scrap it is because your memory is about like mine, probably. <laughs> and I figured if I didn't remember preaching it two years ago, you probably didn't remember hearing it two years ago, even if you wrote something in your margin. And, and I'm going to tell you something funny. I go pick out my shirts on Sunday morning, and a lot of times, I'm just here's another full disclosure, I look back at the live stream and see what shirt I wore last Sunday, so I don't wear the same one two Sundays in a row. 
And I probably had to do that if I preached Saturday night and again Sunday. I'd have to, you know, sometimes I'll hang them up in a certain way where I know you wore that yesterday. Don't wear it again today. Um, I think I killed too many brain cells in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> my memory ain't what it used to be, but yours probably ain't either. My, my sermons are probably not that memorable either. But another reason, I think, is because we need sometimes redundancy. Um, Brother J.D. Herndon helped me years ago when I think, and he was doing a devotional, but my thought was, man, i got to try to bring something new every week and can't never go back to the same scripture twice. And, you know, if, if you do, you can't preach it. You just got to quote it and move on. And um, Brother J.D. Um, preached a passage of scripture from First Peter one, one morning to a bunch of pastors, and he said the number one job of a New Testament pastor is to remind people of stuff they already know. Stir up your remembrance. Stir up your remembrance. Stir up your remembrance. And so a lot of what God's called me to do is not give you something new every week, but to keep repeating some things to you until it begins to click and settle and reside in your heart. Um, I need that. We learned our multiplication tables way back in the day by repeating them things over and over and over and over and over again. Now they come to us like that because redundancy. We recall those things. And then, the, and then the last reason I didn't scrap it is because when, when we don't practice what we preach, we just need to keep preaching it till we do practice it. And this is one of them messages where I don't always practice what I preach, and I need to keep preaching it to you and to myself and reminding myself until I learn how to practice it. So this verse, especially verse 11, been running through my mind for a few weeks. And again, Labor Day, maybe it runs through my mind every other year. So <laughs> Labor Day seemed like a good fit for it because there are two words in, that, in verse 11 that don't seem to fit together, and that is labor to rest. Labor to enter in to rest. Now, when you look at labor and rest out beside each other, they, they look like a contradiction in terms. They don't even look like they belong in the same sentence together. It's two different things. To labor and to rest is two different things. But, but, but when you think about it, that's what we're all doing, even when we're not consciously aware that that's what we're doing. Um, when I was studying, a song came to my mind from a group called Loverboy back in the 1980s. Everybody's working for the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. And, and here's the reality of it, is that, we're, that we all work. We, we're all working. We're all working for the holiday. We're all, working for the, for, we're all working for the weekend. We're all working for the holiday. We're all working for the vacation. We're all working for retirement. We're laboring so that we can rest. We work to rest. And sometimes we'll work five days so we can rest two. And sometimes we'll work half of the year so we can rest seven days we can take a vacation and then sometimes we work for 40 years of our life because we're building up to that moment when we can lay down our tools and retire so every day of our life whether we're consciously aware of it or not we're doing exactly what the apostle paul said in this context we are laboring to enter into a rest either for a weekend or for a week or for the remainder of our lives. We are laboring to rest. So, so rest, you might say, is, is a goal that we're always working towards. 
Rest is a goal that we're always working towards. We finish our job so we can rest. We, we, we get our chores done so, so, so we can rest. We, we're always working. Finishing up our day so that we can rest. Now, I know that most of the time when we think about rest, we think of a lack of activity. But that doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily all that rest is. Rest can also mean a time of recreation. Recreate, that's what it's all about. Recreation is when we find some enjoyment in life that refreshes our spirit. So rest can mean that we just sit down and we relax. Or rest can mean recreation. Or rest can mean um, that we sit down for some refreshment. Um, that we sit down to rejuvenate ourselves physically. And it, and it can just mean enjoyment. We work so that we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. And there are a lot of folks doing that this weekend. And they worked hard. And they put aside the resources that they needed to enjoy this weekend. And they, and they set aside some time to enjoy this weekend. To just rest for a few days. And I'm good with that. I miss folks when they're not at church. But I understand we labor to rest, and there's something biblical about laboring to rest. In fact, um, labor is not a bad thing, and rest is not a bad thing, and the Bible has a great deal to say about both of those things um, in regard to our lives. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 established a model for us that follows us um, all through our life as people that are made in the image of God. We were. The Bible said after God had created everything, he had worked for six days, he had labored for six days. Actually, his labor was just speaking the things into existence. But on the seventh day, the Bible said God ended his work and rested on the seventh day. If you read the very next verse after that, it said that he sanctified it and made it holy and, and then passed that along to us that were made in his image that we should follow after that example that he set for us and that we work six days, we labor for six days, and the Sabbath day is set aside, sanctified for our rest. You follow that pattern all through the Bible. In Joshua chapter 21 verse 44, after years of battle, after years of labor, after years of walking through one nation and then another nation and, 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 and giants and, and high and wide city walls and uh, adversary after adversary after adversary, um, the nation of Israel finally conquered and obtained the land that God had promised to Abraham over 400 years before that, and verse 44 of chapter 21 says, And God gave them rest. They labored so that they might rest. And, and I would just say to you that, that the story of a productive life is a story that is a cycle of working and resting. Working and resting. You work to rest. You work to rest. That is the story of a productive life. We, we labor so that we might produce fruit. And we enjoy the fruit of our labors. That is what a productive, successful life looks like. So I noticed something in my studies from the last, from 2020 and this year. That there's a little bit of a, t a turn that God gave me in studying another reason I didn't just scrap the message 
because that in 2020 I focused more on the rest itself and very little time on the labor that's required of it. And so uh, I, I want to talk to you about the ways that God wants us to rest this morning. And I want to run through that quickly. And then I want to talk about what we have to do to enter into that rest. So we need physical rest. There is a Superman syndrome in our culture today that makes us feel guilty if we're not running ourselves ragged. Now, y'all know that exists in our... In fact, people will shame you if they feel like you're not working enough, if you're not putting in enough hours. And there's some, there's some men that have just adopted that has become a lot of men's gods that, you know, they just want to be known as people who work, 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 work. But we need physical rest. And anybody that says they don't need physical rest, don't understand the way that God created us, and don't understand the commands that God gave us are there for our good. Exodus chapter 23 verse 12 is God reiterating that Sabbath day, uh, that Sabbath day commandment. And he said this, um, that, that you got six days to work, and on the seventh day you need to rest, and you need to let everybody that's associated with you rest. You let your donkey rest, you let your ox rest, you let your son rest, you let your servant rest, you let everybody that's attached to you rest because we all need physical rest. In Mark chapter 6 verse 31, Jesus and his disciples had been ministering to a lot of people. There were a lot of folks coming and going and they had been... They had been working to take care of folks' needs physically. They had been feeding folks. They had been seeing folks healed. Um, there was a great crowd of people around Jesus and a great crowd of people around his disciples. Um, they had spent so much time laboring that they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus said to this to them, Come apart into a desert place and rest a while. Now he's telling his disciples that you are not supermen. Your body needs rest. Um, if we ignore that, then we're going to pay the price for it. In, 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 in high blood pressure, in, in stress-related heart disease, in being irritable jerks, <laughs> if I don't get enough rest, you ain't going to like being around me very much because I become irritable and hard to get along with because I, I have deprived myself of the rest that I need. We make it unsafe for people around us. I wish I, I, wish I, I could find a list, and there probably is one out there, and I'm not a very good Google expert, but the number of job-related injuries that are due to people not resting, the number of vehicle accidents where people fall asleep because they have not rested the bible commands us to rest it's it ain't just okay it's required it's one of the ten commandments right up there alongside thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal that commandment is not just about a day of worship not just a day of setting aside time to reflect on the goodness of God and all that he's given to us, it is a time for us to physically sit down, recreate ourselves, refresh ourselves, enjoy ourselves. Six days we have labored, and we have labored for what? We have labored so that we can rest. In fact, when God gave them meat in the wilderness, he said, you can pick up enough to feed yourself 
every day. And on Saturday, you can pick up enough for Sunday, or on Friday, rather, because their Sabbath was Saturday. On Friday, you can pick up enough for the Sabbath day, too, but don't, don't do any more than that. I'm, you work for what you eat for six days, and then you rest. I'll take care of it. He commands us. So, we need physical rest. And I'm learning to do this. I'm getting pretty good at it, to be honest with you. Friday night, Cindy and I were in bed at 8.45. And I liked it. I mean, I'm like, hey. <laughs> in fact, she'll tell me sometimes it ain't dark outside yet. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm tired. I'm ready to go to sleep. And I'll get up early. But I like to go to bed early. I think Benjamin Franklin said something wise one time. Early to bed, early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, I ain't got the wealthy down yet. Or the wise down. But I think I'm pretty healthy. Rest. Um, it's all right to go to bed early. It's all right to sleep in a little longer when you can. And um, my daddy's perfected the afternoon naps. In fact, I think he takes about four every day now. Um, but it's, when your body is tired, it tells you rest. And we need to be obedient to what God has commanded and take care of the temples that he's blessed us with by getting the physical rest we need. We need soul rest. And when the Bible talks about soul, it's talking about our mind and our, and our, our, our mental state and our emotional state. And when I think about soul rest, I think about um, that, 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 that our mind needs time that is free from worry. Our mind needs time that is free from stress. Our mind needs some time um, that we're not planning something or fixing something. Now, I, I've said this a bunch of times, and I keep saying it. I wish I had a switch on it sometimes <laughs> so that I could just turn it off. Because when I'm battling insomnia like a lot of you are, it's because my soul has not learned to rest. It's because I'm stressing about something. It's because I'm worried about something. It's because I'm planning something. It's because I'm trying my very best in my mind to fix something. And I just want to tell you, there's been nights where I've laid awake for hours and hours upon end, and I've, I've gotten so frustrated, and, um, and I've just said, Lord, I, you know what? I'm, I, give, I give, just let me go to sleep. And, and, I, and the Lord has given me sleep, and I would wake up in the morning with the answer in my mind. I didn't, I didn't do that. He did that for me. He wants our soul to find a place of rest. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not peace like the world gives. I'm giving my peace to you. So he said, therefore, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When, we, when our heart is troubled, when we're full of fear, when we're worried, when we're stressed, when we're planning, when we're fixing, our soul is not at rest. But Jesus said, I'm, I want to offer you my peace so that your soul can find rest, so that you won't be troubled, so that you won't be afraid. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Jesus gave this invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So listen to me. Peace of mind. 
peace of heart, peace of mind, emotional peace, mental peace is the will of God for us. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this because I'm, I'm pointing my fingers at myself as much as I am anybody in this building. When we don't have that, that peace of heart and peace of mind, when our soul cannot find its rest in Christ, I believe we're living outside of the will of God. And, and, and when we don't find that, then anxiety and depression and fear and every other thing will fill that vacuum up. Now, I lived through a season of that, so, so I'm not telling you I've conquered this. But I also knew this, that in that season, I was not where God wanted me to be because I can show you 365 times in the, in the Word of God where He said, don't, don't be afraid, do not fear. And yet I was. So I was outside of the will of God, and what He wants me to find is rest for my soul. In fact, Jesus invited me, come. When you're weary and heavy laden, I don't think he's talking about a physical rest there. I think he's talking about the soul rest, the mental, the emotional ability to find our rest and our peace in Jesus. We need spiritual rest. <clears throat> Listen, you and I need to know beyond every shadow of a doubt that we are saved. We need assurance of salvation. If you don't have that, you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings that God has given us, and that is to know who we are and knows who, know who we are and know whose we are. To know that we are children of God, to know that we are heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to, to know that we don't have to, To cross every T and dot every I in order to be saved. We don't. Jesus done crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. The only man that's ever kept the law in all of its perfection was the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and he took his righteousness and placed it on us and took our sinfulness and placed it on himself so that our sin debt is covered. And what the Lord wants us to find is an assurance and a peace about salvation. Um, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts uh, to the which you are also called into one body and be ye thankful. The Lord wants us to have a spiritual rest about who we are in Christ now I'll sound this warning and I'm going to elaborate on, uh, at the end of the message on, on, on the labor but, but let me give you a warning ahead of that you're not ever going to find spiritual rest by trying to earn your salvation it will not happen you will never tr listen there is no end to us trying to save ourselves there's no end to that work. There's no rest in that work. Um, I, I tell folks a lot of times your life feels like you're taking uh, three steps forward and two steps backwards. And sometimes it feels like you take three steps forward and four steps backwards. And when you think that you've got to pass a certain test and that your good's got to outweigh your bad or you're not going to make it to heaven, you ain't never going to find rest from that. In fact, the Bible tells us that the law is there to convict us of sin. 
And, and if you're trying to live up to the law of God in order that you can find spiritual rest, you're going to find yourself failing and failing and failing and failing and failing. There's no rest there. But the Lord wants us to have assurance. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to know who we are and whose we are. The labor to be saved by self-effort is a never-ending labor. And I believe ultimately we long for eternal rest. Um, there's a passage in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that says that the Lord has set eternity in our hearts. He's giving a, there is a longing for heaven that lives within us. And I, I, you know, I know that there are some that won't agree with this theologically. <clears throat> but I, I believe there is a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart that even the unsaved realize that there's something missing in my life. There's a void, there's a vacuum, there's an emptiness, there's a place there. I, you can try to fill it with money, you can try to fill it with pleasure, you can try to fill it with power, you can try to fill it with anything you want to, but nothing will fit that hole but God. He has placed eternity in our heart. We, we long for everlasting. We long for um, a, an everlasting relationship with God. We long to be as He created us to be. Um, and I, I think I can boil that down by you, those other three we long for a place where there is no toll in our labor. You understand part of the curse is that God put Adam in a really good place, in a garden that was full of everything that he needed, and he gave Adam work to do. He said, tend it. He said, take what I've given to you and tend it. And, 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 and enjoy the fruit of it and multiply the fruit of it. And go be fruitful and replenish the earth and have dominion over it. This is before sin. And part of the curse of sin that was, that was raised against Adam was, it's not going to be easy for you anymore. From the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to earn what you eat. And, and you're going to work hard, this is going to bring forth weeds and thorns and thistles. It's not going to be like it was because sin has entered the picture now. And, and, and I think part of what we're looking for in that eternal rest is that we, that we can labor without toil. That, that, listen, I don't think in heaven we're just going to sit down on a, on a cloud and play a harp all day long. I think there's going to be creativity and artisanship and, and listen, there's gardeners and musicians and singers. There's going to be work to do in heaven, but it's going to be a work that doesn't have toil. It's not going to bring forth briars. It's going to produce fruit. Um, we're not, it's not going to be burdensome to us. We're going to plant a crop and harvest it. And, and you know, the Bible makes some claims about that during the millennial kingdom even, um, that while you're pulling up the harvest, somebody's going to be sowing the seed right behind you. And the two are going to run together. It's going to be so bountiful. Uh, we long for that kind of labor. We build pools sometimes and everything's good. I tell, them, I tell my brother, I said, this dirt feels like cake batter. I feel like you're shoveling cake batter. I can throw me some cake batter. I mean, we don't even, we felt so good a few weeks ago, we got one of them where the ground was good, dry, cake batter dirt. And we literally built a pool in four hours and was pulling out. And I was just driving that truck down the road, son. I'm like, that's toil without labor. I mean, that's labor without toil. I didn't hardly break a sweat on that job. Next week we had one in Coffee County with boulders in it. And here's the curse again. I got to enjoy a little bit of that labor. Without, but I think our heart longs for, I want to work and it produce fruit. Without the sweat, without the briars, without the weeds. That's part of that eternal rest. 
I believe we also want to reach a place, even more so than that, eternal physical rest. We want to reach that place where there is no more reason to worry or stress or fret. Because all those former things are passed away and everything has been made new. We long for that. Listen, I long for that day that I'm not going to ever hear another report of somebody dying or somebody being smitten with cancer or somebody losing their job or farmers can't get their crops out of the field. We long for that day when our soul finds rest, where there ain't any more problems, where there's no family squabbles, where there's no church conflicts, where all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day. That will be. That's, that's that eternal rest of the soul. And in that spiritual rest is, I believe, when there is no sin present. Now, I believe Jesus has paid the penalty for my sin. I believe Jesus has broken the power of sin in my life. If I sin, it's because I've done it willfully, not because I have to. Because I believe that I, sin has no dominion over me because I belong to Christ. His Spirit lives in me and I can have victory over it. But I'm here to tell you, sin's still present in my life. It's still present around me. But there's going to come a day when sin won't be present anymore. In fact, if you read what the Bible says about the new heaven and the new earth, um, there won't be any sin permitted there. It's gone. Freed from the presence of sin. In my own life and in the lives of those that are around me, there's no sin present the struggle against it has ended that's eternal rest job chapter 3 verse 17 said of the grave there the wicked cease from troubling that is we don't have to worry about wicked people causing us trouble anymore and there the weary be at rest isaiah chapter 57 i quote this passage often at funerals it talks about the um, the righteous perishing and no man laying at the heart, seeing that he has escaped the evil day to come. But that second verse says, um, when the righteous die, they enter into peace. They rest in their bed, each one walking in his uprightness. That's that eternal rest. That is when our labors are over. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, Revelation chapter 14 verse 11 said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So we need all that kind of rest. Now here's, here's and I'm going to run through this quickly. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend as long here. I, but I do want to close in this because I didn't spend as much time here two years ago as I needed to spend. We need that. We long for that. But how do we get that? I mean, the Apostle Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, said, See that you labor to enter into rest. What do we have to do to rest in all of these ways? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. What do we have to do? Now, the last one, we've got to die. <laughs> I ain't ready for that yet. It's going to happen one day whether I'm ready for it or not. 
But while we live here, what do we have to do to find physical, emotional, mental, spiritual rest? What work do we have to do to rest? Well, if you look at the, the, some of the verses that preceded this context, it started back in, ver- in chapter 3, in verse 11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now he's talking about the Hebrews, the Israelites, when they marched out of Egypt, went right up to the gates of the promised land, sent 12 spies into the land, and, all, and, and 10 of the spies came back and said, we can't do that. Cities are too big. Walls are too high. Giants living in the land. We don't have the equipment we need. We don't have the training that we need. We cannot have that land. It's everything our hearts ever desired, but we can't have it. And the Bible said those 10 men so discouraged the heart of the people that they refused to believe that it was God's promise that gave them the land. Not their abilities, not their efforts, but God's promise. And so the Bible said, God said, I swear in my wrath, they're not going there. And you know what the story is. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness until, until everybody that was 20 years in age and under died in the wilderness and never experienced the promised land. Except Joshua and Caleb who were the only two that believed they could obtain it, and they were called to lead the charge into the promised land with those children. But God said, I swear in my wrath they're not going to get the rest that I promised because they didn't believe me for that promise. If you look at the 19th verse, it says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So here, lack of faith equals a lack of of rest when we refuse to find faith in God's promises we'll never find rest in, it, in any of those areas listen I, I don't want you to miss this you cannot find rest physically Mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, by trusting in your own self-efforts. Can't do it. You can only find rest by trusting in Jesus. Not just for eternity's sake. Yeah, we got to do that, but we need to find rest in Jesus by trusting Him physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So, you say... So are you saying the labor, the work that we have to do is to trust Jesus? That's exactly what I'm saying. The work that we have to do, the labor that we have to engage in, plus nothing, minus nothing, is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think with me for a minute. Those Hebrews that could not go into the promised land, Forty years later, they went into the promised land. Nothing really changed. They still a bunch of nomads wandering around in the desert, not a well-equipped army, not with everything they needed, not with a military prowess, not with a, well, not with the chariots and the horsemen and all that. But they believed God's promise and they marked. And so the first, the first city that they came, Jericho, was probably the most imposing city of the plain. In fact, I've read some stories. Archaeologists said you could probably race, I think it was 14 chariots along the top of that wall. Those walls were so, so thick. What did God tell them to do? I, I don't want you to raise a hand against them. 
I just want you to march around the city. I want you to march around the city one time every day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, when I give the command, the trumpets are going to sound, and I want you just to shout. And because they believed the promise of God, they did what God said, and the walls fell in. And Jericho was conquered. You see, the predecessor to us ever doing anything that God tells us to do is trusting what He said to begin with. Trust and obey. We'll never obey until we trust. So the real work that we have to do is just believe what God said. Wait a minute, God. You want us to conquer this city by just marching around it and then by yelling at it? <laughs> That's what I said. Jehoshaphat had an army standing against him that was without number. And he said, Lord, we don't have any power. We don't have any might. We don't even know what we need to do but our eyes upon you. And you know what God said for him to do? Send out a crowd. Send out the choir first. Just send out the choir and tell them to start singing praises. Now, that don't sound much like a battle strategy, does it? You think if you want the choir, you put them at the back to cheer the rest of them on. God said, put the choir out front. And what happened? The Bible said God turned the enemies against each other. And, and, and the Israelites conquered that day because they trusted God and did what God said and they found rest. So we got to labor to believe. It is, I want to tell you something, it's work to believe. Because everything in our world today, everything that the devil throws at us today, everything that our flesh is telling us today is that you can't trust God. We fight in the battle every day with the world, the flesh, and the devil about whether we can trust God or not. And the Bible and our human experience tells us that we can. But everything else says you can't. But I'm here to tell you today, I think we have to labor to believe God's promises. Because sometimes they're hard for us to see. They're hard for us to visualize. we got to believe God's principles are always right. Um, that He's never been wrong. And that what He tells us to do is good for us and good for those around us. His commands are not grievous. When God has laid down a principle in His Word, we got to trust Him enough to believe that's right. And it doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what my flesh says. I trust that what God has said to me is true and right. And I'm going to just believe that. I'm going to follow that. we got to believe the principles. we got to understand that God has said that He would provide what we need according to His riches and glory. That the provisions of God... God would never run out, that his seed would never have to beg bread, that he would give us what we need. He told us to pray like this. Um, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We've got to trust that his presence. In fact, when you think about this, when the Bible says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, you know that means more than just his presence goes with us. That means his promises go with us. That means his principles go with us. That means his provisions go with us. That means everything that God is, everything that God promised, everything that God commanded goes with us. And he'll never leave us or forsake us. We've got to learn to trust that. So what does that mean? In this area of physical rest. God made us. He knows what we need. He knows what our body needs. He knows everything that we have need of before we ever ask Him for it. 
In fact, he devoted a big passage of Scripture and the first sermon that he ever preached to it, Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 6, he devoted a whole bunch of Scripture to the whole thing. Don't, you don't need to be, don't take thought, don't worry, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you're going to live. Don't. And he gave illustrations of the sparrows. They ain't planting wheat. They're not sowing seed. But the Father's feeding them. The lilies of the field. Nobody is clothed with more beauty than they are. Who's taking care of the lilies of the field? God's taking care of them. Sure, he's given us a command to work. Sure, he said if we don't work, um, we won't eat. But there's a labor to rest in the fact that we do what we can do and God has promised that he would provide our needs. He don't call us to be anxious about those things. He calls us to trust him with those things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Take... Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Matthew six thirty two. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. That's what consumes their life. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And what he tells us to do instead of worrying and being anxious about those physical needs is to, in verse 33, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Trust his promises, trust his provisions, trust the principles that he's given to us. You know, the Israelites went into the wilderness with very little. And they ran out of water. And they began to murmur and complain. And God brought water from a rock. And they went a little further in the wilderness and found themselves starving. And they started thinking about the cucumbers that they ate and eating. Never mind, they got beaten nearly to death making bricks out of clay with no straw every day. Now they're saying, we had cucumbers when we were in Egypt. And God gave them graham crackers from heaven. <laughs> when I, every time I read that passage of Scripture, little tiny pieces of, of bread with a taste of honey. I think of honey graham crackers. He gave it to them to eat in the wilderness. They gathered it every morning. It was scattered on the ground like frost. When they murmured about it, God gave them quail. Until he had a belly full of quail. <laughs> That's another story. But God can provide for his people. We go, out and we, we go out and labor. We go and do what he's called us to do in that area. But we need to learn to trust him for our daily bread. Mentally and emotionally. This passage of Scripture, when I found myself at a loss of peace completely, mentally and emotionally, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 was my go-to verse. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I quoted that verse in this sanctuary and everywhere I went. Lord, this is your promise to me. You'll keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind focused on you. Why? Because that's when I'm trusting in you. Job twenty two twenty one. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people. 
with peace. Isaiah 40, 31. I didn't give her this verse. You know it. They that wait upon the Lord. What's that mean? It means you focus in your mind upon Him. You strain in your mind in His direction, not toward the problem's direction. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's mental and emotional peace. Why? Because we have fixed our mind upon the Lord. Now, I know what you I know what you thinking because I know what I'm thinking. That's a whole lot easier said than done. That's why the Bible calls it labor. But I'm here to testify this morning. If when your mind has been robbed of peace, if you acclaim the promises of His Word over and over and over again, trust what He said, do what He said, you'll find what He promised. And that's that peace. It's labor. I'm going to tell you it's labor. I can tell you I spent a bunch of nights walking around in this building singing His songs, quoting His Word trying to find that mental and emotional rest, but I'm, I, I, I'll give God glory for it. Every night that I came over here looking for it, I found it. I could feel it sometimes when it came over me. It would start at the top of my head and go to the bottom of my feet, and I would feel like I was in a, it was, was in a closet shut in. My breath was robbed from me. My heart would race within my chest. And I would get up out of that bed and begin to pace. And then I would come over here in this building and begin to claim that word. You said, God, that if I would focus my mind upon you, then you would give me peace. And so I'd start singing. And, and just like I felt it, that, that anxiety and depression settle over me, I feel the Holy Spirit calm me and comfort me and give me peace. And I'd go home and sleep. Easier said than done, but it can be done. It's labor, but it can be done. And I just believe this. When you claim that promise and you begin to walk in it, listen, God's given me a long season now, and I am, I am grateful. I have not even had a feeling of that anxiety come upon me in, in two years now, even through all of the COVID mess. And listen, we were all, we, none of us knew what was coming. We didn't know where, but, but God gave me peace through all of it. I ain't, I ain't bragging on me, I'm bragging on Him. I'm telling you, I just, all I did was believe His promises and acted accordingly. And He gave me what He promised. Now, I would say this, the longer you stay in that place, the longer it might, be for you, the longer it might take for you to labor yourself out of it by trusting and believing because you've done so a lot of doubt and fears in your own heart and mind. Keep working. And lastly, but certainly not least, spiritually. Some folks came to Jesus one day in John chapter 6, verse 28, and they asked him a question. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God. That you believe on Him who He has sent. 
You want to find spiritual rest? You can't find it by working on your own merits. You can find it only by believing in him that God sent. Listen, Jesus paid the price for all of my sins. Those that I have committed in the past, those that I might commit today, and those that I'll commit in the future. Jesus ain't never been surprised by any of my sin. Do you realize that? He never been surprised by yours either. He knew who you was when He called you. He knew where you'd fail before you fail. He knew your sin before you'd commit it. But He said, if you come to me, I'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you can have peace just by knowing that Jesus has paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but He washed it as white as snow. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God ain't mad at me. God ain't mad at you. I have been made right with God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have spiritual peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. You're saved if you believe. You need to find assurance in that. Now, I, I think up to me to give you that assurance. You've got to get in God's Word and ask His Holy Spirit and His Word to give you that assurance. But you know what all that's required of me? Is to trust Jesus. That's the work that I do. Trust Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 said, Hold on to the profession of your faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. So what is the work I have to do to find spiritual rest? Just keep trusting Jesus. Just keep trusting Jesus. You can find that spiritual rest too. If you'll just trust Jesus. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you for your word. Even... If we hear it a thousand times, it'll always be needful. It'll always be refreshing. It'll always help our faith. Faith comes by hearing, your word says, and hearing comes by your word. And I pray you'd help us to take this message tonight, today, and just apply it in every sense of the word to our lives. We want to trust you fully and completely with every facet of our life. If we can trust you with our eternity, then we can trust you with our present. Our present needs our present troubles, our fears. We can trust you with it all. And I pray you'd help us to do that, Lord. If there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, your, your word has required but one thing of them, and that is that they acknowledge that they're a sinner in need of Christ. 
as the only Savior. That they repent and believe. That they turn away from trying to save themselves and living by their own terms and that they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's never done that, that today would be their day of salvation. God, of all the people that are living in this world today with all the turmoil going on, your people ought to be people who manifest peace, joy, righteousness that comes from the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit in us. Help us to be that to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.